This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hey, good morning, everybody. This is Brent Macy, the Managing Director of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, and welcome to this edition of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. And joining me today in the studio is CEO and founder of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, Doug Field. Good morning, Doug. Hey, morning, Brent. How are you this morning? Hey, doing well, doing well. Big plans this weekend? Uh, yeah, lots of little football, you know. Attend the county fair in Cumming, Georgia. Oh, there! All right, I, I know you took uh, your grandson there uh, the other night. Sounds like sounds like he had some fun. Got to play some hooky from school the next day. Yeah, I think he scared my poor wife though. He likes to ride the big rides, and the net does it. Oh, yeah. There's one of those. Things. Those are the those are the fairs where they build uh, all the rides in one day, right? That's right. Exactly right. <laughs> well, uh, I've got a great program uh, today for everybody. And uh, again, welcome to Healthcare Consumerism Radio. We've got. Uh, you know, really good program. Got multiple guests coming on um, for some of these segments coming up as well. And uh, in the first segment, what we're really going to focus on is, um, you know, some of the things around the employee mandate and getting ready for the Affordable Care Act. And we've got um, the CEO and founder of Benestream, uh, Benjamin Geyerhan, and he's going to be coming on to, to really talk about how he helps employers and employees around the mandate that's coming up um, with the health care law. Yeah, he's his uh, solution. And, and we've had several people on here uh, looking at different helping employers, uh, you know, find where employees are, bet, are best fit. And here it's helping employers you know, find their Medicaid-eligible employees, and they may better be better off going to get Medicaid coverage than that current company's benefit plan. And there was a lot of news earlier this week, um, you know, semi-related to this or, or directly related, depending on how you look at it. You had, um, I believe it was Walmart who... Um, who cut the uh, employee benefits for some of their for their part time workers, right. and that was a move that some of the other competitors in the market, from a Target to um, some others, did that previously. And so Walmart's moved to to do that as well, and and so that you know is going to be something that the market's going to have to address with with these part timers no longer having coverage, and what's what's going to be the best option for them as this employer mandate. Um, begins to show up. I know we've been dealing with all parts of the health care law um, over the past couple of years, and, and you know, here, here yep. it is again. And we That's have kind of the fallout from the employer mandate. I mean, you know, you're mandating what employers must do, and when you do that, the uh, what you're going to create is employers making decisions that they probably didn't want to make because they had been providing, you know, limited benefit coverage to part-time people. But they have to make, you know, uh, from a dollars and cents standpoint. Mm-hmm. And then um, coming up on our, our second segment following Benjamin is going to be um, two individuals with the uh, KTP Advisors Group. And what they're really going to talk about is private health exchanges. And the title of um, that interview is going to be Everyone's Offering One. Hear from an independent advisor on who isn't offering a, a private exchange platform and you know, as we talk uh, talk about all the time, private exchanges are here in the market, and uh, you know, a big thing for for employers to look at. And then, the one thing you always hear is, "What is the right private exchange right. for me?" You know, you not only see the evolution of private exchanges and more private exchange players joining the market, but you see the creation of more advisory groups that don't have an exchange. You know, standing ready to give that. You know. Uh, third-party advice to employers and others on what are the models and what what's right for that employer's workforce. 
Mm-hmm. And then uh, closing out the program today is going to be two individuals from the ITEG group. And they're also going to focus on private exchanges and healthcare consumerism and how that all ties together. Um, so that will be some, some very valuable insight for those who are looking at the private exchanges out there um, in the marketplace. Yeah, and I think their research uh, really points to uh, the research they're doing. And they're a very well-known uh, global uh, research company that their research uh, begins to point out you know, where exchanges fit in the group market around consumerism. And also, you know, all the all that that is around exchange. I think some people make uh, – right now, one of my concerns, we is trying to be the industry resource to provide, you know, the information to help people make these decisions and, and collect this information and put it in one place, both, you know, you know opposing views as well as pro views, is that uh, – is that we help people truly understand defined contribution and private exchanges and all as it is. You know, there was a survey that came out earlier this week from from two groups that I, you know, respect, you know, NBCH, National Business Coalition on Health, and Jennifer Benz at Benz Communication. Both, uh, but I was concerned about the survey because it – it pointed out some factors that really aren't aligned with what defined contribution of private exchange is. You know, they came out and indicated 55% of employers are not going to stop offering employer-sponsored health care and move to a defined contribution of private exchange. Well, that's not necessarily what a defined contribution of private exchange is. And, that would, that's, and that's my concern with helping people get the right information, you know, to make the right choices. And, you know, in fact, you'll, he, you'll, you'll hear our uh, last talk about all that a defined contribution private exchange offering is. And if you think about defined contribution and you run a parallel defined contribution retirement planning, you know, companies didn't get out of the retirement plan business. They simply converted to defined contribution, and it works. And it's very successful for companies and the people and mm-hmm. their employees. Now, why defined contribution healthcare has some different, you know, entities to it. Defined contribution healthcare and benefits delivery you know, if done properly by employers that really care about their employee population, and I believe most of them do, you're going to actually improve the benefit experience for your employee population. You're going to reduce your admin and resources and the time it takes to administer and enroll people, you know. And, yeah, you're going to be able to control costs, particularly as you run through a business cycle. And why should an employer be able to control costs through a business cycle? You know, if, if a business is having a tough time, you know, the choice right now in the group market is you let a bunch of people go. But through defined contribution, you can keep your team in place. And maybe you redu- you, you know you, you reduce that contribution during tough times, mm-hmm. but you increase it. And everything people talk about on this program is about creating a complete benefit experience. You know, that health management piece, Brent, that we hear guests mm-hmm. talk about, so critically important. So I guess the point of all this is, is that Every employer, in my opinion, should be looking at an exchange because I think they owe it to their employee population and to their corporations to at least take a look at it. Everyone's not going to go there. I think more people are going to go there than than the industry, I think, sees right now. In fact, at the same time this other study came out, Aon Hewitt comes out and says they're going to put 1.2 million people through an exchange this fall. Wow. 1.2 million, up from 600,000. And so, so almost actually doubling uh, the open enrollment from last year. And I think you know when we, Doug, we've got our private exchange coming up in uh, private exchange coming up in Dallas, March thirty first uh, and April first, uh, two thousand. <laughs> 
15. Wow, 2015. <laughs> and we're going to really address a lot of what you, you just said. And I know you're, um, you know, in the planning stages with some other key industry thought leaders on, on what type of educational information right. is going to be presented there. And it'll there. be a big topic at IHC Forum West coming up. I mean, exchange and defined contribution is, is running through our IHC Forum West program. And, you know, the goal of a, a program uh, November 11th and 12th is to really give the industry real-time perspectives and updates on, you know, what's happening during enrollment, what are people's thought processes looking at 216, you know, what are some of the experts suggesting that employers and, and their brokers and advisors look at if they're considering moving their employee population to an exchange in, uh, you know, in 2015, 2016 plan year. So a lot going on. I, yeah, and, and I think what we advocate is just look at it. It's a, it's a dynamic model. There's a lot of different moving parts of the model. There's a lot of considerations. And it's not just about lowering your health care spend. It really is not just about that. There is that part of it that helps companies control their health care spend, but it actually can help companies in, improve their benefit offering. And I think it will help many companies make sure that they keep offering benefits mm-hmm. to their employee population. And you may even see smaller companies begin to offer benefits to their employees because they can look at a, a uh, exchange environment as as a good alternative for them and i think and i'd love to get your opinion on this doug if i'm a small employer out there um let's say i'm under 100 employees you know there's options for me uh with shop but there's also options uh for me to go to this some type of private exchange and i was talking with um, some supplemental health carriers out there and one of the things that they mentioned is small employers really just want to get to get to business on what their business really is whether it's it's mailing you know working with apple to mail out uh iphones mm-hmm. they'd rather do that as opposed to worrying about their benefits right right, right. worrying about their benefit right. plans put you know go into this exchange and say hey here's here's this platform for you to choose your benefits yeah and the and the first couple of years in moving an employee population exchange there's going to be some heavy lifting required there's going to be you know a lot of education a lot of communications a lot of hand holding because you don't just turn on the e-commerce site and say go shop i mean people need help because they've 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 received benefits in an entitlement way before you know and here they are and and in a non-choice way well now they get to make choice mm-hmm. you know if they go that way and the same thing with companies putting in a full replacement program and surrounding it with choice you know i mean that's why we're moving the right direction with consumerism i mean let's you know sure there's there's always a cost shift in there somewhere but but the bottom line of healthcare consumerism is we're really helping your employees and their families become better consumers of health and healthcare, and yeah. you're actually giving them choice. They are they are able to to choose plans that fit their family lifestyle, their family unit, whatever that unit looks like. And then the so the what you're saying is the underpinning of an exchange is if I don't understand consumerism as an employer, I'm I'm not necessarily going to understand. An exchange platform in right. the direction that goes, right. but that's the handholding, and that's the education and communication, and and in the end, as you get people more accustomed to it, it's gonna it's gonna become a lot easier for employers to provide that solution, a lot easier for employees to make those right decisions. And for everybody out there, you know, we talk about it on this program a lot. PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com, and that's the uh, product that we developed 
and have aggregated over uh, 170 private exchange platforms within privatehealthcareexchange.com that actually gives you details on the different models out there, the different companies who are providing these exchange platforms, um, and we do updates to, to that website on a monthly basis given all the growth in the in the private healthcare exchange marketplace and for anyone who's interested in subscribing to uh to get access to that database and the information that's uh aggregated in that database if you uh go to the website and type in IHC radio in all caps in the promotional code area you'll get a discount either to the monthly or the yearly uh program there and the reason as we mentioned on the program for the yearly program uh, to look at that is because we update that uh, monthly and with the growth in the private exchange market um, you know we, I think we started out with 20 now we're at 170 <laughs> so it's it shows you how fast that market moves and uh, so IHC radio all caps and uh, stay tuned everybody for the next segment of healthcare consumerism radio Hi, this is Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. If you're a solution provider in this marketplace, I'd like to talk to you more about our corporate membership program that will allow you to showcase your solutions in front of our audience who will be making decisions on what they're going to be putting in place surrounding their healthcare benefit packages in 2013 and beyond. Contact me at 770-296-7276 to learn more. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Certification. Do you know why becoming a certified healthcare consumerism specialist is more important than ever in 2014? Adding this specialized designation to your credentials tells employers or your clients that you understand how much our industry has changed and how to navigate that change successfully. IHC University's certification program offers coursework both online and live at their biannual forum conference series, and testing is completed online. Reaffirm your position as a leader in the health and benefit management industry. Download our certification overview and learn more at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good morning, everybody. Uh, this is uh, Brent Macy, Managing Director of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, along with CEO and founder of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, Doug Field. And uh, welcome back to this segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio and what you guys just heard us talking about on uh, the previous segment with private exchanges and, and their link to consumerism and consumerism really being the underlying pin to a private exchange platform, uh, what we really wanted to talk about here in this segment is our upcoming 2015 events, Doug. And, you know, from an educational standpoint, you know, I know you got a lot of things in mind that you're working on the advisory board team with. Um, kind of give our audience a feel for, for where your thinking is for 2015 shows and, and the dates and the locations. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're very excited about our event schedule for 2015. And, you know, that, you know, that will, they will remain, uh, you know, our focus to bring that kind of live 
person-to-person connection. You know, as, as we live in this social media online world, people still like to look across the, the table and talk with each other. And while our 24-7 online community is going to continue to be the hub of activity with the IHCC and our digital print publications and newsletters going out and this radio program, and as it get, continues to grow and take on a life of its own out there on YouTube and our own site in the form of podcasts, uh, these in-person events are very important to us to offer this industry the opportunity to come together to learn share and connect which is kind of our theme come together and collaborate to learn share and connect and we've, we're expanding in 2015 you know our our really what has been our anchor event you know will move from may to the third week of june we think it's a much better time frame to allow the industry to attend it's going to grow to over a thousand you know attendees and it'll be uh, june 23rd to 25th uh, in atlanta where it's always been and probably going to remain mm-hmm. as our anchor uh our November event that's coming up, uh, November 10th through 12th here in Las Vegas, uh, we're going to keep it in Las Vegas at the Red Rock. Great facility. We like the time of year. In fact, we're going to move a little deeper into November, November 16th through 18th. Uh, give the industry a continuing a real-time perspective, you know, on open enrollment time period plus a uh, look ahead. And both of our core annual events, our June and <laughs> our November event, We'll continue to have deep content around all aspects of healthcare consumerism, including defined contribution of private exchanges. But we saw this trend in the marketplace uh, with defined contribution of private exchanges. We've addressed with our destination guide, you know, our guide on private exchange, privateexchange.com, our special publication, Healthcare Exchange Solutions and Community, you know, the segments here on this radio program that talks about it. And... We saw the need to devote two days to an exclusive discussion around defined contribution of private exchanges and all the different moving parts, including building out that benefit experience, education, and communication. So, as you said on the first segment, we're going to launch that event, Private Exchange Forum, in Dallas, March 31st through April 1st. And we will then be offering three national events to our members and our audience to attend. June, IHC Forum and Expo. You know, March 31st, private exchange forum, and November 16th through 18, uh, you know, IHC forum and expo. But we're also going to do something else. So, you know, uh, the Atlanta, greater Atlanta market is our backyard. You know, we're here, a lot of key employers, a lot of key health plans, TPAs, brokers, and friends of ours, people that come to us at our event. They've been in our events since we launched them. And so how do we stay connected to them aside from our web community? So we're going to roll out uh, the first of the year a Lunch and Learn series in Atlanta. We're going to hold the first Thursday of every month uh, a Lunch and Learn uh, at a destination to be named here in in Atlanta, Uh, maybe the Cobb Galleria, you know, the Waverly that that people get to know. But the goal there will be to provide a chance for the industry to come together for two hours plus, you know, 11.30 to 1.30, and network with each other, but also hear a panel, hear a discussion from you know the guest speakers that uh, we sign up so we're excited we've got really four key events that we're doing next year a monthly lunch and learn series private exchange forum and IHC forum and expo in atlanta and las vegas and you know great educational opportunities for attendees great opportunities for sponsors brent that i know is kind of uh what you talk to people about every day and you know yeah, there's, and as you mentioned you've got the all the different sponsors with private you know healthcare exchange <coughs> 
for our private exchange forum, but then also our core events that really brings in the concept of consumerism. And you can go to our website and actually see, you know, who this, the sponsors are. We got a lot of early sponsors for 2015. Um, so everybody go check that out. But joining us on, on this segment, uh, currently is going to be Benjamin. Geierhan, and he is actually the CEO and the founder of Benestream. And as we mentioned, Benjamin actually works with employers on helping them really navigate the employee mandate. Uh, Benjamin, are you with us? I am. Hey. Good morning to you, and welcome to the program. Um, you know, kind of give our audience a feel for Benestream and, and what you do, and, and then we'll kind of dig a little further into this employer mandate that's coming up. Sure. Well, we we do one element of, uh, of this, uh, one piece of the pie for those folks who are facing mandates. We deal with a low-income workforce, mm-hmm. um, assess whether or not that workforce is Medicaid eligible, uh, and then enroll them in Medicaid uh, if they're eligible. And what that does is, um, of course, uh, employers are must mandate, uh, are mandated to offer health insurance, and we can talk about that, uh, how that works. Um, but uh, typically in the low-income space, um, Medicaid is going to be a much nicer solution, a much more robust solution for the employee. So if they're enrolled in Medicaid, they will quite often say, you know, thank you very much, um, I'm not interested uh, in, uh, in in the insurance that the employer is offering, and that saves the employer a bunch of money, that saves the employee um, the cost of, of the premium copay, uh, so it's a win-win situation. So, so, so Ben, you're actually... Uh, <clears throat> during the doing the legwork for both the employer and that employee, correct? To, to find I'm, out. I'm if, sorry, I'm, I'm having a little trouble hearing you. Actually, uh, can you hear me now? Uh, you actually are doing the legwork for the employer and also those employees uh, by uh, communicating to them who is eligible and the benefits that, that they become eligible for. That's right. That's right. We we come in and we have a conversation with every employee we think might be eligible uh-huh. and tell them um, the value of the of the Medicaid program, uh, and then we work with them to go through that process. You know, enrolling in Medicaid, uh, unfortunately, is is difficult. It it requires that you gather a lot of information, um, and it's not information that's especially complicated, but it's not things one knows right off the top of her head. I don't know my kid's social security number, um, uh, and, you know, so it's the kind of thing where you just have to be prepared, and that's really where, where, where our work comes in. We help everyone prepare, and then we walk them through the process. Well, I, I think you just answered my next question. That is, why can't employers do do it themselves? Uh, I mean, it takes a knowledge base and you know good resources to do this. Correct? It, it does. I mean, it, it, it's just the kind of thing that you know. It's a little bit like doing your taxes. Mm-hmm. Can you do it? Sure. It'll take you a couple hours. Is it a lot easier if you use TurboTax or you or if you want a little more hand-holding, you go to H and R Block? It's a lot easier, right? Um, just because. Look, government forms are complicated. Um, governments are not great at making things simple and easy for us. And so any situation where, you know, someone who is an expert at the process can come in and provide you assistance, whether it be for us, Medicaid, or for, you know, taxes, H&R Block, um, that's, it, it's going to add a lot of value, and it's just also going to relieve the anxiety you feel when you get asked 60 questions by a government entity. <laughs> ben, ben, when did you roll this out to uh, employers? When did you start doing this? We started doing this um, at the beginning of this year. We like to say mm-hmm. that we started when the exchanges were working well. So, as, <laughs> okay. you know, yeah, as you know, they didn't run smoothly at yeah. the beginning. Yeah. Um, we, 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 in our estimation, February of this year was about when things were working well, and, and that's when we began rolling it out. Uh, and we started with sort of fast food places, and now we're in a number of different sectors. Now, Ben, when um, you had mentioned 
you know, you help with the hand-holding process with the employer, but on the employee side of this, you also help with the hand-holding. With the employees, how do they, you know, aside from the, the hand-holding process, what other benefits does the employee see? The, the employee? The employee, uh, yes. Yeah, the employee, the, look, the, the benefits for the employee are, um, at the end of the ro- day, getting Medicaid and, and, mm-hmm. and, and the process of not having to show up at a government office. So let's talk about a little bit about who we work with. We work with people who typically have children and work a 40- or 50-hour week. Yep. For them to go to a government office, they're going to spend all day online. They're then going to be not treated, not poorly, but, but, but you know, they're going to be treated not wonderfully. Um, and, they, you know, they're losing time with their kids that they could be doing something else. What really, you know, for us, one of the really satisfying th- things for the folks who do this is that the employees are really appreciative because you, you basically, the employer has saved them a day mm-hmm. of aggravation. Um, and at the end of it, they get great benefits, which we also actually help them with a food stamps application and, a, and a, what's called a lifeline phone application, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, you know, sort of a monthly phone. So, so, so you are saving the employer money, uh, also creating some goodwill for the employer with the employee population because the employees are actually getting, you know, in, in a better benefits package, complete benefit package, including food stamps, et cetera, correct? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, and it's family coverage. I mean, I think yeah. one of the things that employee, employers are struggling with these days is, you know, at this end of the spectrum, no one, and this includes the best unions, uh, is really offering coverage to the entire family. They're offering individual coverage. And Medicaid is family coverage. And I think that's something that, you know, uh, employers take some level of pride in. And, and, and frankly, is a really big deal for their employees. Because when we talk, again, our population is largely families. And quite frankly, is often single families. Um, and for these parents to, have, to ensure that their children have coverage, I mean, I have kids, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. this is the kind of thing that, you, you, that keeps you up at night if you don't have insurance for those kids. Yeah. Hey, Ben, uh, what is your business model for employers? What, how do you, right. How? So, so the employers pay us $40 for every single individual we screen, and we screen everyone who makes less than $33,000 a year. The $33,000 figure comes from um, $33,000 is the threshold for Medicaid eligibility for a family of four. Mm-hmm. Um, so we screen everyone in that range. About 25% of those folks end up uh, being enrolled in Medicaid. For everyone who gets enrolled in Medicaid, we charge an additional $200. Mm-hmm. Um, that is spread out over 10 weeks, and it just which re- what it really becomes is $20 a month. Um, the reason we price it that way is that there's an incredible level of turnover, and our clients, that's the employers, the businesses, said, look, you know, I don't want to be paying, I don't mind that this person has the benefit after they leave me, but I don't want to be paying for it. So, you know, if they leave after six months, the employer has only paid, you know, $120 or so for that benefit. Now, Ben, let our audience know, you know, if I'm an employer out there, how do I get started with your services? Is it as simple as reaching out to you and inquiring? Um, how, do, how do they do that? Sure. I mean, so they can send me an email. It's, it's really simple. It's ben at benestream.com. Um, or they can, there's a, there's a, way to go on our site and contact us um, or in many cases it, you know their broker will be carrying this product mm-hmm. uh, we work with brokers across the country uh, and you know we like to be part of a comprehensive package so probably start by asking your broker and 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 then the second thing to do is just send me an email now in the in the last minute or so we got on the program what are you know the healthcare law is pretty complex and with you know give our audience kind of one or two key takeaways on how your services can really help them um, as they as they look at this healthcare law. You know, 
our services will save, if you are operating in this space, our services are going to save you a lot of money. The, the value proposition we're seeing, you know, is you're getting about a 10 to 1 uh, punch for your dollar. Just because um, in this low-income population, the cost of our service, $250, is significantly less than the cost of insuring them, which ranges from $600 to about $8,000 on an annualized basis. And that's that's per employee that is not uh, qualified for what the healthcare law mandates is eligible coverage, right? Or actually, the mandated right. coverage. Right, the mandated coverage. Well, the, the mandated coverage or the minimum essential uh, coverage plans. I mean, whether in many cases you're going to have to either provide health insurance uh, or you're going to have to offer health insurance, but also to meet your participation levels. In some cases, we're seeing people who are just giving coverage to, in the, uh, to their low-income workers. Um, the cost of that's going to cost is somewhere between 600, and we've seen as high as 15,000 on a per person basis, and we save that cost. Well, Ben, hey, we really appreciate you joining us on uh, Healthcare Consumerism Radio this morning, and to all the employers out there and brokers out there, um, please do reach out to Ben about his services uh, and what he can do to help you, uh, you know, get people actively covered um you know as you deal with the health care law and uh, ben again thanks so much uh for joining us have a great weekend and to the rest of our audience stay tuned for the next segment of Healthcare consumerism radio thanks for having me solution providers are you aware of the institute for Healthcare consumerism's multiple marketing platforms you're invited to get a little closer to ihc with our solution provider membership marketing program through ihc's exclusive solution provider membership your business gets an all-access pass to engaging your prospects. This membership embeds your business within the Institute, which immediately aligns your company, its solutions, and your key executives with the nationally credible IHC brand and shows your support of the healthcare consumerism movement as a market-wide solution. And that's just the beginning. Contact IHC's Managing Director, Brent Macy, today at bmacy at theihcc.com. Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Learn, connect, share. Join us every Friday at 11 o'clock to learn all those confusing issues around healthcare, Obamacare, Medicare, Medicaid. We'll help you find the answers, help you stay in compliance. Join us Friday at 11 o'clock. Membership. Are you an IHC member? Access to the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's breaking news, industry trends, expert blogs, and networking with IHC's industry-wide member community. IHC membership puts you at the focal point of the dynamic health and benefit industry, allowing you to join the conversation and collaborate with industry stakeholders and your peers. Your IHC membership includes a subscription to Healthcare Consumerism Solutions Magazine, Healthcare Exchange Solutions Magazine, Annual Publications Healthcare Solutions Superstars, and Healthcare Solutions Outlook, a free white paper, and much more. Sign up as a free IHC member or $99 premium IHC member today at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Everybody, welcome back to Healthcare Consumerism Radio, and this is Brent Macy, Managing Director of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, joined in studio with CEO and founder of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, Doug Field, and welcome back to Healthcare Consumerism Radio, and really appreciate Ben joining us on the program um, for that last segment, some very interesting things around how he can help you if you're an employer out there or a broker looking for some products around um, you know, his services, so f- please do feel free to reach out to him. 
But um, we've got two guests joining us on the program today. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to bring on the program uh, Deb Jacobson and Mike Martucci uh, with KTP Advisors. Uh, they're in the process of creating a, a new private health care exchange advisory practice. Uh, good morning, Deb and Mike. How, how are you? We're great. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah. yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, great to have you on the program. Uh, Deb, would you take the lead and kind of give a little background on uh, KTB Advisors and then uh, what you guys are doing with uh, your, in, in creating this new advisory group? Sure. Um, KTP Advisors is a specialty advisory firm, and it's been in the area of retiree health benefits uh, for a while now. Its clients include corporations, municipalities, Taft-Hartley funds, universities, and other institutions. And what we're trying to do with the KTP advisory exchange work is to develop an absolutely independent, objective, but comprehensive and collaborative researchability to really understand the breadth and depth of the private exchange market that's developing very quickly in the United States. So yep. our goal is to work very collaboratively with all of the exchanges, understand their capabilities, their um, priorities, and to match the exchanges with clients that could include employers, health carriers, associations, brokers, to make sure that we match the exchange capabilities and our client priorities in looking for exchanges. That's very interesting. Uh, Mike, how do you see this differing from what's already taking place in the market? I mean, there's a need for a lot of resources, so there's a lot of space out there, but how do you see this differing from what's already being done in the marketplace? You know, you've got PwC and the private health care exchange collaborative. You've got locked in in their position, you know, as saying they're independent. You've got, you know, boutique firms like Laura Strategies and others. So how do you see this, how do you see this differing from what's already being uh, offered in the marketplace right now? Well, without, you know, fully knowing exactly what all of those organizations are providing, mm -hmm. it's hard to say what really differentiates what us, but what I, what I can tell you is that KTP Advisors, as Deb said, is going to be, uh, we, what we've done is we've developed a very robust set of criteria. Mm -hmm. And with some of our experience here at the table, we've actually had an inside view to some of the private exchange technology and marketplace companies. So I think what differentiates us is we're going to be asking questions of the private exchanges and then disseminating that information to the open marketplace that maybe people wouldn't think of. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know there are exchanges, you know, maybe a year and a half ago, and I don't even know if that's the right time frame, exchange has been around for a while, or at least in concept, and there's no longer five main companies, or 30, or even 50. There's over 150 exchanges. We have a dedicated team of individuals that are going to continually to keep up with information about these exchanges, and there are also, I mean, I think just in the last three weeks, we found 20 new private exchanges above the original 150 when we started this a couple of months ago and you know we're asking some pretty uh, you know hard questions we want to know not only who they are but I think the marketplace should know you know who's thinking of buying who 
who owns the exchange? You know, are they owned by a health carrier, mm -hmm. or are they actually an independent technology company? Uh, who's private labeling the exchanges? Are the marketplaces that are popping up, the names don't always describe exactly who it is. Is it owned by a broker? Does the insurance carrier have leverage over the exchanges, the products, and the pricing, and, and things like that? And I know the other companies you mentioned, very fine firms with uh, great research teams, uh, but we'd like to think that we're going to be a little bit different. And uh, once again, very independent. We are not affiliated with any private exchange, and KTP will not uh, be creating their own private exchange or private labeling one as well. So I think that unbiased approach sets us apart. No, I think there's a lot of there's there's a lot of <clears throat> need for help and uh, expert uh, resources like yours. And I like what you said about 150 plus uh, 20 makes 170 because we uh, we just <clears throat> released our new update to privatehealthcareexchange.com, our guide to exchanges, and that we have 170 in there. So uh, I like that validation. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it, I, I like it as well. I mean, you know, the thing that's interesting is I'm sure there's private exchanges that your organization, us, or even some of the others you mentioned don't even know exist. Yep, yep. Um, and are they truly private exchanges? So one of the other things that we're doing differently, and, of course, this is our expert view, but we're categorizing private exchanges into different buckets, if you will, to use the layperson's mm -hmm. term. Um, you know, are they the, the technology company? Yep. Are they a marketplace? And we're, and we're defining what those things mean for the public who's going to have access to this information and our clients and, and some of the other constituents that, that David mentioned earlier, like brokers and carriers. And, and I also think that private health insurance exchanges as well would uh, be very interested in working with KTP for this information. Yep. Uh, because they're going to want to know what the competitive landscape looks like so they can improve and they can provide, you know, more robust and better services to their end users as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah that's very interesting, and, and I agree. Deb, uh, what target size of employer are you focused on, or is there a target size that you're focused on? Uh, I think initially it makes sense for us to target larger mm -hmm. companies, Um but I think we'll be happy to provide services to anyone who really wants to evaluate exchanges. For example, a brokerage firm may want to become affiliated with a technology platform. We'd be happy to work with them to sort through what the different uh, features and benefits are of the different technology firms so that they make the best match. Um, we could work with municipalities, we could work with associations, and we can also work with a very large corporations um, who want to have it in exchange for their employees and retirees. And, and because so many different segments of the marketplace are serviced by different brokers, sure. I think the broker is probably going to dictate um, you know, what segment of the market is going to want to work with KTP. So we're sort of agnostic when it comes mm -hmm. to segment size. You know, the brokers will decide that, that we'll be utilizing our services, and, and the, I don't think that it, uh, you know, we want to close the door to any size organization. And, and Mike and Deb and, and either one of you can take this question is, you know, when you look out at the, the employer types out there, there's a lot of different demographics inside of some of these employers that may marry well with certain exchanges, whether it's a single-carrier model, multi-carrier model. What's, what's your feel on, on some of these models, and do they fit best in certain industries, uh, in your opinion? Um, that, that's a really good question. 
What I've seen in the marketplace is that there isn't any really, uh, you know, whether it's manufacturing or whether it's white collar or particular, you know, segments of, of industry, I think the real decision is being made by any company who needs to streamline their enrollment process, provide better decision support uh, for their employees who, as we all know, the burden of making these employee benefit decisions for themselves and their families is falling more on the employee. But we also think that all employers across all all industries are still going to want to provide good benefits to their employer or employees, whether it be paid for by the employer or more paid for by the employee, and to endorse the right platform in order to deliver those services. Because when you get into a self-service environment, technology-driven enrollment, which ultimately this is what, you know, exchanges really are, um, you know, the employee, the employer doesn't want disruption in the marketplace or in their workplace, and they want their employees to be happy, even if they're not paying as much as they used to for benefits. Uh, Is uh, your goal to actually stay with your employers beyond just the and uh, the initial decision on what model they're going to go to. Are you going to stay with them through the hand-holding process, the implementation, and then the next generation? I mean, what? How's how's this going to work? Well, what we're going to do is, and there's two products. If you want to call them products or services, that we're going to provide to the marketplace, and there's sub subcategories as well. But what we want to do is provide research information so that. There's a certain segment of the marketplace, whether it be broker, employer, what have you, are going to want to new, have a certain level of information mm-hmm. so they can decide whether they want to even entertain okay. offering a private exchange. And then the, the next layer is going to be full advisory services, evaluating with the employer exactly what their needs are, um, evaluating what the benefit needs are, the employee's needs are, how much of the burden of making these decisions they want to pass on to their employees, and actually vetting and evaluating in much more detail based on the needs of the employer and their employees, uh, which exchange to actually choose. So there's two levels of what we'll be doing there. No, I appreciate that. Listen, we've got about uh, a minute uh, to go here, and I'd like to give uh, each of you a chance to share a couple takeaways uh, uh, with our audience. Well, I think, you know, one of the most important takeaways is that um, KTP Advisors is going to evaluate exchanges in an absolutely objective way. And when we look at it from a customer's perspective, we're going to apply their priorities and take into account their strategy to direct them to the best fit for them. And, and secondly, I think that, you know, the fact that we're going to be absolutely independent and objective, as Deb had mentioned, uh, of any insurance carrier, health or specialty or ancillary, uh, any broker or exchange providers, we're going to be able to provide that objective advice to the marketplace. And then in turn, carriers, brokers, exchange providers, uh, you know, will utilize us yeah. because well, we won't have any ties monetarily or otherwise to them. Sure. Uh, Deb, how, did it, how do, uh, does our uh, audience get in touch with you? Um, well, we've got a website, uh, ktpadvisors.com, and uh, there are links on the website to both Mike and me. Um, and our phone number and contact information. Obviously, we're domiciled in Newport, Rhode Island, but we do work nationally. 
Um, and we're also, through social media and LinkedIn and some other avenues, are going to be disseminating uh, no-cost information to the marketplace to get the word out about what we're doing. Well, listen, we really appreciate you being on the program today. And uh, I know this is a busy time coming up right now, but if you can uh, tear away from your offices and join us in Las Vegas at IHC Forum West, uh, November 10th through 12th, I think you'd enjoy the discussion. I think you would add a lot to the discussion, too, and look forward to uh, talking with you more uh, into the new year as well. But thanks great. again. Uh, have a great weekend. And Thank to- you do the same. Take thanks. care now. And to the rest of our audience, stay tuned for the next segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. Have you checked out the only online guide where employers, health plans, brokers, and consultants can navigate private exchange and defined contribution markets? Browse PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com today. The emergence of private health insurance exchanges represents perhaps the most significant shift in how Americans purchase health benefits in years. As employers move their employee population into private exchanges, this trend is on a growth projection into the 2015 benefit year and beyond, according to research published by Allegis Technologies. Visit PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com today to browse our national searchable directory and for Healthcare Exchange Solutions magazine and newsletter. Be sure to submit your listing for inclusion in this groundbreaking guide at www.PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. That's www.PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Hi, this is Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. If you're a solution provider in this marketplace, I'd like to talk to you more about our corporate membership program that will allow you to showcase your solutions in front of our audience who will be making decisions on what they're going to be putting in place surrounding their healthcare benefit packages in 2013 and beyond. Contact me at 770-296-7276 to learn more. This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hey, this is Doug Field along with my co-host Brent Macy, Managing Director of uh, the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, and welcome back to Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Kind of continuing the discussion on healthcare consumerism and private exchanges, and uh, joining us today is Mike Trilly, Senior Analyst, and Lindsay O'Connell, Research Associates with the ITEG Group uh, out of uh, Boston, Mass. Uh, good morning to you both. Good morning. Hey. Great to have you on this program. Mike, if you would, uh, give our audience a little background on the ITA group, and then we'll kind of get into private exchanges and healthcare consumerism in the group market. Sure. Uh, so ITA group uh, is an independent uh, research and advisory firm, and as you had re- referenced, we're out of Boston, Massachusetts. And we specialize uh, really across three business lines, uh, banking, uh, institu- investment in securities, and insurance. And both Lindsay and I... Uh, Work across uh, work within the health insurance practice of that insurance arm. How long have you had that uh, the health insurance practice, Mike? So I think we've, as a formal practice, it originated in two thousand and nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've been going at it for a little over five years now. Okay, great, Mike. Talk to us about uh, your view on uh, healthcare consumerism and how you see that playing in the group market. Sure. So. You know, consumerism in and of itself has, has been uh, in the marketplace, um, you know, but predominantly far focused on um, how indivi- the account- putting greater accountability, ownership, and, and I think inherently decision-making into 
onto individuals in terms of how they use and given the proliferation of uh, high deductible health plans, ultimately how they're going to pay for care. So when we think about the group market and how consumerism is changing, uh, you know, certainly private exchanges are closing the loop a little bit relative to the notion of pushing that accountability from the usage up and front to how they select benefits. Mm-hmm. So, if we, so in effect, what they're doing is closing the loop and creating this continuum from an individual self-selecting, now what, based on what, how the, what they've selected, what, how they use that product, and ultimately how they pay for it. And so while you know, con- the, each of these may have existed in some form or fashion in the market, I think as we look longer term, you know, there's the opportunity to take these discrete elements and, and really sort of aggregate these services in the group market and, and provide that sort of end-to-end look, if you will, where uh, consumers and the insurance distribution industry, if you will, from the, from the enrollment, are more connected to the payment. So it, it's, as we look into the future, I think we'll start talking about it as, as a pushing greater uh, accountability into one where individuals have full accountability from an end-to-end perspective. Now, now, Lindsay, this is Brent. When, you know, what role do private exchange vendors play in the group uh, market of consumerism, in your opinion? Sure, yeah. I think Mike started to touch on that a little bit, but um, the best way to understand the role of the private exchange vendors is to really understand the value chain of the group market. So um, traditionally, you see that employers would work with brokers or benefit advisors to select a plan, um, or maybe two plans, you know, typically for a really large employee population. Um, And now with the exchanges added into the mix, you have a platform that can aggregate a ton of plans with their plan rules uh, for a variety of products all in one place, and it includes tools to help employees shop, you know, whether that's... um, decision-making tools or just access to customer support. So the role of the exchange really is to take on and reduce what had previously been responsibilities of uh, brokers or employers around making plans available to the employees and then actually doing the enrollment because now employees are obviously enrolling themselves or or have the opportunity to do that Um, and take on some of the responsibilities uh, that had previously belonged to the carriers by streamlining a lot of the back-end automation of data. So Specifically, the role for group market consumerism, I think the biggest piece is that the exchange really pushes um, who's selecting the plan downstream to each employee rather than forcing an employer to kind of make an arbitrary decision um, that limits the choice within the employee population for selecting benefits. Mike, uh, you know, this is a uh, fast-changing landscape out there. You know, we just on the last segment had a group on that, you know, validated where our own database is. You know, we've got 170 uh, private exchanges in our uh, guide, privatehealthcareexchange.com. So, you know, fast-changing, growing market, changing market. How do you see it shaping up, you know, over the next year? Or two? Well, it's a great question. I'd like to say kudos to you guys as well. I think that's an excellent resource. Thank you. And, Thank you. and I guess the way to best frame this is, you know, this particular report that Lindsay and I took on is a little bit of a departure from our past reports where mm-hmm. we looked at, I'd say more business dynamics and market opportunities. And the sole focus of this report was to kind of look at the vendors and the technology. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I look at how this is shaping up, it, I guess we look at it pretty simplistically across three buckets, right? What's the core competency of the vendor that's bringing the technology to market? Mm-hmm. How do they actually go to market, whether that's sales or market served? And finally, looking at what, you know, really what the technology is trying to serve. And, and to your point, there's 170-some exchange vendors out of there. There's a lot of different needs. <laughs> but I think we really came across um, three models that emerged. 
Uh, first model being what we'll call the e-commerce model, and really these, these vendors and, and you know really come at it from a technical perspective. And the development focus is really on providing a, a what I'll call kind of a unique user experience, mm-hmm. user interface, as well as really providing a uh, or owning a deep set of integration with product partners to deliver a, uh, you know, a deep array of products to the market. Mm-hmm. Second one is what we saw is you know more of the broker model. These guys come, uh, these vendors come at it really with extensive insurance experience, and what they do is they're translating that into a technology that really caters to not only the broker but also the employer. Uh, Lindsay kind of touched on a little bit, but when you think about it from the employee perspective, what we see in these particular platforms is really the ability to, to, to truly configure and, and, and customize mm-hmm. um, configurations, complex configurations, if you will, for employers, but they also kind of cater with a deep set of administrative capabilities for the brokers. And then the last one uh, that we see are more of those companies from the benefit admin, uh, benefit yeah. admin background, yeah. really um, based on the platforms that we, we um, visited, dual emphasis on front-end user experience back-end capabilities. So what they're really doing is not only focusing on the, the interface and the enrollment experience, but also providing uh, some deep connectivity pipes into the back-end for billing and payroll. So I think those three buckets, e-commerce, broker, and full package is how we see this landscape yeah, like that. Uh, shaping now, up at least today. Now, Lindsay, you know, with the the shift to a private exchange platform, it's a big shift for the employee population. And and given the shift, where do you see, you know, from the employee standpoint, do you see them really understanding, you know, something as complex as as going out and buying their own benefits? Well, I mean, yes and no. I think um, after looking at a lot of different platforms and speaking to different vendors, we noticed um, that stronger the stronger exchange vendors did offer kind of more tools to help employees make decisions and also better tools, um, usually allowing employees to visualize cost and risk in a, in a lot of different ways. But just because decision tools are incorporated into the platform um, doesn't necessarily mean that it takes away all of the complexity of insurance. A lot of people compare shopping for insurance to using a, a regular retail site like Amazon or something. But at the end of the day, you know, buying a book from Amazon is never going to be as complicated as selecting a life <laughs> yeah. insurance policy or selecting yeah. a type of health plan. So um, so in short, you know, the tools help to a degree, but they don't really replace the expertise of licensed agents. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Mike, as you take a look at all the different technology out there, uh, and you went over some of the models uh, in, the, in the earlier question, I appreciate that. Um, do you see any specific model uh, <coughs> being more favorable to, you know, consumerism? Well, I, I think it's less in the model and more into the types of, you know, support, if you will. So if okay. we go back to the consumerism, it's, you know, it's the accountability and the ownership, but, but I said inherently at the offset, but I think it's a very important piece. It's, it's, it's enabling decision-making, right? So, you know, Lindsay kind of touched on it, but when I yep. think of the technology um, and what they're offering, they, they kind of support it in three different ways. You know, I think one um, is, is probably more product-driven, but it's the ability to, you know, provide those consumer-driven products, right? I think that is certainly supporting the element of uh, the financial aspect of consumerism in terms of how I'm going to pay. I think on the second degree, then, you have this notion of defined contribution. I think it's more of a mechanism, but when you look at the platforms and their ability to manage um, for the individual how they're going to spend these 
employer funds, I think that's a key attribute. But I'd just like to go a little bit deeper on what uh, Lindsay had outlined, and I think it really the technology caters to, uh, for consumers, and particularly on that enrollment side. And, and so when you think about some of the tools and the services that they're, they're wrapping around this decision-making, you know, we touched on um, you know, provider lookup tools or formulary lookup tools, the ability for individuals to you know, either kind of look at where they are today and, and how that fits into a plan or kind of look at where they want to be and, and see what plans might support that. Uh, on the second set of it, it's um, you know, where this whole concept of out-of-pocket is getting pushed up to the front end of enrollment selection. So we're seeing some platforms you know, provide pretty robust uh, capabilities to, uh, cal- you know, I'll call them calculators, but they're essentially modeling so some different scenarios, whether they're current health needs or just really trying to under- ascertain what, what it might cost me in the future. And I think probably the most important piece of this is how that platform um, plays to the individual relative to um, recommendations. So yeah. we saw in, in almost all of these platforms, and to varying degrees, the decision to uh, what we call a wizard, so the ability to walk through the process, have the individual input some uh, information, and have that platform take that information back and provide some recommendation, or either provide some pre-bundled packages based on that employee, and really start the process of helping them kind of navigate this, this new landscape. So I think those three areas, that's really where the technology is playing on the employment, uh, on the enrollment side. Mike and Lindsay, we've got about a, a minute and a half left on the program and, and would love to have you back. Um, very engaging discussion here. But uh, in, the, in the remaining minute and a half we have, you know, kind of, you know, in both of your opinions, give us, you know, one or two really good takeaways on where you see this market moving and what employers need to be aware of. Well, I'll go ahead and start. I think where I see this market moving ultimately is, you know, the focus today is enrollment. I think in the future, I think what we're going to see based on how these platforms have been designed is this ultimate connection from enrollment to usage and payment. So I think there's really an opportunity to aggreg- for these platforms to aggregate services and really connect insurance distribution with what we'll call revenue cycle, which is usage, usage and payment. And, Lindsay, where do you, you know, from a, you know, what, Private exchanges are, you know, getting the legs underneath them. Where do you see the market moving as we head into, um, you know, employers really looking at their next year's plan enrollment? Yeah, I think it all comes down to uh, which platforms are going to allow employers to really save the most time and money, and, and that comes down to who's offering the most integration and automation, um, whether it's payroll processing or managing COBRA or reconciling bills and and managing that process, it'll take a lot off the desk of the HR team, and I think um, it's something that's often overlooked because of how large in, in the actual enrollment looms, but it's, it's really important. We want to thank you both for joining us today on Healthcare Consumerism Radio. hope you guys have a great weekend uh, up there in Boston, and if you can, um, break away from your busy schedules. We'd love to have you join us at IHC Forum West in Las Vegas, um, November 10th through 12th. I think you guys would bring a lot to the discussion as well, so if you can make it, we'd love to have you join us. Um, to the rest of our audience, we will talk to you uh, next Friday on Healthcare Consumerism Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.